elevate. Praise God. Everybody say death to life. All right, awesome. We're going to finish this sermon series out today. It's been awesome. I've been, I've been loving it. Let's open up uh, the word time of preaching with a word of prayer. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time, God, where we get to come together in your presence, God, to hear your word. Lord, we thank you for everything you've spoken over us, God. We thank you for the love that you've shown us. God, we thank you for the family that you've put us around, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. Lord, I thank you, God, personally for all the evidences of your grace, God, the trophies of your grace. I thank you that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that have seen your glory. God, may we be obedient. May we be faithful, Lord. May we hear your word and may we obey what you have told us to do. God, I pray that at this time we would understand who we are in you, Christ, that we would understand the purposes and plans you have for our life, God. Be glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Woo! It's good to be here on a Thursday evening. Wait, what day is it? Friday. That's right. That's right. Elevate! I always try to do that, see if you guys are awake. One day I may say, uh, what's that one thing that Patrick say, says? You know that day that Patrick made up? Anybody? Any SpongeBob fans here? Leaf, no, not Leaf Harrison Day. Oh, wait, no, he made up a direction, Weast. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Y'all, y'all too young for SpongeBob. But anyway, right, one day I'll make up an imaginary day. Huh? No, not you. <laughs> Amen. SpongeBob was, was that guy growing up. He needs to repent, though. But anyway, right? Welcome. So good to have you guys. I'm Joseph Bonilla, the youth director here. If you're watching online, we wish you would be here because... It's fun to be here. You know, we got Brandon. We got the guy that is pretty good at basketball. Not the best, because then I would have to admit he's better than me, and I can't do that. Then we got, let's see who else we got right here. Brian. We got Brian. We got Brian, the man, the stoic man, the myth, the legend. Nod your head, Brian. There you go. Come on. Don't fall down now, all right? And then we have the lovely Karina in the back, my wife. Come on, why wouldn't you want to be here? You got awesome people. But anyway, right, if we can go to John chapter 5, verse 24, what did we learn about last week? I'll give you a hint, you know. The crossover, the crossover, right? And what did we cross over from? Death to life, just like that. Okay, so we understand that that is all happening at the moment of Christ. So everybody say, the Christ moment. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, that's when we cross over. He brings us from death, and he takes us to life, right? Amen. So you guys remember. Now, what does this life look like? That's the question. What does this life look like? What does it look like for us to finally be crossed over? Is it when we die and we cross over, we see them pearly gates, and all of a sudden, a God who looks like... uh, Morgan Freeman comes up to us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that what it looks like? I don't think so. I don't think Jesus was speaking about crossing over into these pearly gates and getting a set of wings. Not like what we think about. This life is in the present, and this life looks like the one who gave it. So what does this life look like? It looks like the life of the one who gave it. 
And who gave us this life? Everybody, don't, don't say it. Don't say it. You know, come on, don't say it. Don't say it. Like, don't make me stop you, right? Who gave us this life? Jesus. Who is God, right? We can get to the Trinity again if we want. But Jesus, right? On the count of three, say Jesus. One, two, three. I mean, that's why we're here today. That's why we're here today. It's because of Jesus. So, again, what does it look like? Is it just you getting better self-esteem? You know, you just feeling a little better about yourself? Is it you just becoming a slightly better person? Instead of cussing every day, you cuss every other day. Oh, is it, is it just you maybe not stealing as much? You know, you used to steal from your friends. Now you just steal from those you don't like. I was watching this one show called, uh, what was it called, babe? That show about the, the scam artist. Remember that show? You got three people. They go around the country. All right, there's a show. And there's three guys. Well, two guys. Imposters, right? You got, you got two guys, one girl. They got scammed. And they go around the country scamming other people. And they have a set of rules. And they look at people and they're like, well, we won't scam these people that are good. We'll only scam the people who look like jerks. So they do that, but they end up breaking their rules, okay? So they try to be better, but they end up getting worse. And that's kind of how the show goes a bit. But is it that? Is it just you kind of picking and choosing when you're going to sin? Is it you being able to make excuses for your sin? What does this life look like? Sons of Adam, it look, we know what it looks like to be a son of Adam. We know what it looks like to be in death. We know what it looks like to be addicted to sin and bondage to sin, basically enslaved to sin. We already know what that looks like. But now that we've crossed over, what does it look like? It's kind of like this. If we could turn off all the lights in this place, let's turn off all the lights. Turn off all the lights. Nobody rob anybody, okay? Just because I, let's turn these lights off too. Can't see you guys. Uh, I'm, I can see some of you guys. Let's turn. There you go. So we're in darkness. I would turn this off too, but I feel like that'd be too much work, right? We're in darkness, all right? So dark, I can't see you guys. All right, now let's turn on back the lights. Oh, whoa, whoa. There you go. Oh, turn on some more lights. Whoa, whoa. You see, it's, it's kind of like that. That's kind of what it's like. When you're in the dark, what can you see? If I was to walk around as clumsy as I am, I would have tripped and fell, without a doubt. I would have made, maybe someone would have got tired and been like, man, get out of here, you know? And when you're in the darkness, you can't see how to live. But when you're put in the light, it's a whole new way of living. You get to finally see your life. You get to see how to live. So when we come from death to life, it's like the lights are turned on. It's like the lights are turned on. It's like, a, it's, it's like the lights are literally shown in your life. And think about it. In, in the physical, there's a reason why Jesus uses this language. Because imagine a dead man. How does a dead man live? Not very well, right? How does a dead man live? It's a, that's a whole other way of existence than a man who's living. That's a whole other way of existence than a man who's living. And that's the comparison Jesus is making. But we have to understand this, right? In order to understand this life that was, in order to understand how to live this life that was given, we have to understand how it was given and, and how exactly does that look, right? So Jesus, we have to first understand that Jesus tasted death for us to have life. 
And this life is a life like Christ. So everybody say, tasted death. So that place where you were at, Jesus tasted it. He understands it. But he wants to give us, and he died to give us, a life like Christ. Everybody say, a life like Christ. So Jesus died to give us a life like his own. Not a bogus half-Christ life. He didn't die so you can look like the Pope. He didn't, he didn't die so you can be like your aunt who goes to church but gets drunk on the weekdays. He didn't, he, no, he didn't, okay? Jesus didn't die for that type of life. Jesus died for a very specific life. It's his own, to give you his own life. If we can go to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. Christianity has been seen so much as a self-help a, pl- a thing to get you better. You come to church to make friends and feel good about yourself. That's what church has been. I was just in Uber. I was in an Uber uh, the other day, and I was getting dropped off, and I was talking to a guy, and he was talking about how he used to be Catholic, but then he started going to this church in the suburbs named Calvary. And as I'm talking to him, right, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to get his idea about you know sin and and the church and everything, but we we didn't really get to get into like, hey, repent and all that. Because I was still trying to understand who he is. I don't like to just come out of nowhere in the Uber and say, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? My name is Joseph. What's your name? Andre. Okay, man, repent. And then the whole time I'm rebuking him, you know, I, I like to be respectful in his Uber, right? But I do say that sometimes. But I was trying to get there. As I'm talking to him, he's talking about the church that he goes to. And he, what is his reason for going there? He's like, man, I just had a connection with the pastor. Not that he spoke to him. Not that he had dinner with him, but he just had a connection how he spoke, and he felt good. He felt better, right? And I'm like, well, that's, that's not the purpose of church. So then I, you know, he's dropping me off. I'm like, well, man, uh, as, I'm going to, as he's going to drop me off, I tell him about being born again. I gave him a flyer. I'm like, that's really, you know, how we have that connection to Jesus. You got to be born again. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. Because a lot of people say they, they know what it means to be born again. Then you ask them, what does it mean to be born again? And they'll say, man, you just, you know better, man, better life, you know. Some people will say, even say reincarnation. Some people will even say, man, you know, we have this, this feeling, you know, and then, and then boom, you know, I cried, and there you go, I was born again. But I want to let you know, this life is not an emotional roller coaster. It is not you weeping at the altar. It is not you going to church every week. This life is no different than the life that was that, the life of the person who gave it, and that's Jesus. So right now in Hebrews chapter 9, verses, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, sorry, verses 9 through 10, we see this. It says right here, sorry, I need my glasses. I need to get some glasses. Babe, remind me that I need glasses. Can't even see. But we do see, we do see Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Everybody say Jesus, Jesus. who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered. Everybody say, say, everybody say, death, he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste for everyone. So everybody say, taste death. It's kind of brutal, right? Continue to read, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through everything exists should make the, uh, make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. And we'll stop there. Jesus tasted death. Think about that. Jesus tasted it. He experienced it. He put himself through it. 
I think it was Nathan who said that earlier, but Jesus willingly put himself up for it. It wasn't just that the father dragged Jesus by the ear and was like, come on, man, you're going to die for these sinners. Come on. Daddy, no, 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 you're going to die for these sinners. Get on the cross. No, the father didn't do that. The father didn't do that. The father, the son, the spirit, they're all on one accord saying this is good. Jesus is going to taste death for everyone. Not just some people, but for everyone. This death that Jesus tasted was for everyone. If we can go to Mark chapter uh, 14, verses 32 to 25, this death is, in a sense, the wrath of God. You see, there is a death in this world that is going to be a second death, and it's called the lake of fire. You see, a lot of people think hell is where you go for eternity. No, hell is the waiting place. Hell is the waiting place. You are going to go to a place called the lake of fire. That's where your physical reincarnated body will, will basically be burning forever. It was not meant for us. It was not designed for us. But if we so choose to reject the Son of God and the cup in which he drank, then we will, in a sense, accept what was not for us. Now, this is they, they speaking of the disciples and Jesus, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. See, Jesus was fully God, fully man. He knew what was before him. He knew the cross that was before him. He knew the pain, the suffering that was before him. And he was deeply distressed. Imagine if you knew in front of you. I mean, some of you, when you have to, you're about to get in trouble with your parents, you feel this way. You'd be like, man, snap, sweating. Man, the teacher's going to call my parents. I'm about to get kicked out of school. Oh, no, if I do this again, I'm going to lose my phone. Listen, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. That kind of type of de- distress and everything, that ain't nothing to what Jesus felt at this moment. He was deeply distressed and troubled, and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The weight of eternity, eternal punishment was bearing on his back, and he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, that the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, not what I will, but what you will. You see, this cup that he's talking about was the wrath of God, the death that he was going to drink for us. Throughout the whole Bible, it speaks of death and the wrath of God as a cup, as a cup. We won't go too deep into why that is, but understand that is that this was something that you could not drink. If you did, you would not be able to handle. You would not be able to bear it. Only Jesus could drink this cup. Only Jesus could bear the weight of death and the wrath that was due to sin. So Jesus tasted death. We have to understand that Jesus humbled himself. We have to understand who is speaking right now. This is the king of glory. This is the God of gods. This is the king of kings. The Lord of lords, he's the one who created all things to whom everything exists. We get that from him. Yet he humbled himself. He stepped down. So we have to understand that Jesus humbled himself not not just to merely serve humanity. Like A lot of people try to make Jesus seem like he was just a good moral teacher. I'm not joking right now. If you look through the scriptures, there is nothing nothing that's limiting to Jesus as a moral teacher. What teacher says these words? 
What teacher is saying, I'm going to humble myself to die for these people? That's not what a teacher says. That's what a Savior says. So Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. So the one who gives us this life, to whom everything exists, the one who gives us this life, he died. He died. So that we may live. He tasted death for everyone. Every one of you in this place, he tasted death for you. Everyone that you see crossing the street, every one of your teachers that you talk, you know, stuff about behind their back, we hear it. I'm a teacher. We hear it. I'm literally hearing you guys roast me, and I'm like, God, God help me, Lord. I don't want to roast them back because that's not like you, Jesus. So we, the, everyone, he tasted death for everyone. Jesus did. See, that love is not found anywhere else. Matter of fact, that love is not known until that point that Jesus himself would be willing to taste death for us. And, and this cup was not meant for him. You have to understand that this cup was not meant for him. This cup of God's wrath, death, was meant for you. It 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 was meant for me. So he tasted death for us. What we should have been drinking, what we should have deserved, Jesus took for us. It was that mind of humility that Christ had. So think about this bitter cup of death. Jesus drank it so that we could receive his reward of life. What he did, you know how I said he was crowned with glory? If we go back to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. So it's like literally, imagine this. You get a job, you're mowing lawns. How many of you are okay with mowing lawns? That's good. Just in case I ever start a business, I'll hit you guys up, right? Work for me, right? But imagine you're mowing lawns. Aaron, you're mowing lawns. And that's Mateo right next to you, by the way. So greet each other real quick. Say hello. You're about to be using an example. So, Aaron, you're mowing lawns. You're working, let's say, six hours a day, you know, six hours a day. 90-degree weather. You're mowing lawns, right? Then all of a sudden, the money that you get from your suffering, who do you give it to? Mateo. And Mateo, all he did was simply turn on the lawnmower, and you gave him the money. You see, what Jesus did was pretty much did all the work. He suffered what we could not suffer. We, we could not bear that death, that wrath of God. He suffered it so that we could receive the reward. Where it says that he was crowned with glory and honor, who does he bring? He brings many sons and daughters to glory. That reward in which he received, he now shares with those he died for. And it says right here, we have all fallen short of the glory of God, right? In Romans chapter 3. So think about this. We're bringing brought to glory. So yes, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Understand that. So Jesus tasted death for who? But it's not just so that we can stay in death, but it's so that we can be brought to glory. Everybody say glory. What is Glory. What is glory? Is it just when, you know, you come in all white and you're like, you know, you have all white, you have the gold chain. Is that glory? Or, or is it glory like just a ah, sound, you know, when you see like something like you're hungry with, you know, you like you see some food and you just hear that. Ah. That's how it works with me. When I see my wife cooking meals, I'm like, ah. is it that? What is God's glory? What is it that we are being brought to? Because this thing that we are being brought to, the Bible says we've fallen way short. In Romans 3, it says that for all, everybody say all. Everybody say everyone. 
Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one that is good, not even one. So all have fallen short of the glory of God. All. Don't we all sin in this place? Haven't we all sinned? Even since coming to Christ, have you sinned? Yes. But yet we're brought to this glory. We are brought from death to glory. What does that mean? Well, we have to first understand that what it, does, what it means is this, is that Jesus and his life, his death, that was needed to bring us up to glory. Has anyone ever fallen down before? Has anyone ever fallen into like a pit? Like anyone like fall and then they need help to get up, right? Anybody ever seen those life alert commercials? You know, there's some poor old granny on the floor. She's a good actress. She's like, her cane's all the way, like 10 feet away. She's, her body's all like this. She's like, help, I've fallen. I can't get up. And then you're like, in order to pick her up, what do you need to do? You need to stoop down. You need to stoop down. You need to be able to physically go down and bring her back up. You've seen that is what Jesus did when he came. He came down. He stooped down, humbled himself, tasted the death that we were in, and brought us up to glory. So Jesus, in his love for us, brought us to glory. And this glory is not like what I was talking about earlier with the whites and the chain and the, and the food and everything. No, no, no. This glory is the glory of God. It is what literally makes God glorious. It's what makes God beautiful. It's what makes God good. So we're not brought from death to just some religion. We're not brought from death just to go to church. How sad is that? How sad is that that we've limited glory We've limited glory to the things that are mundane. And going to church is awesome. I love going to church. That's why I'm here right now. But there's a reason why you're in church. It's what you do within the assembly that makes it glorious. You just simply walking in and keeping in step with the traditions or the mutual, like the, the motions, that's not glory. That's not glory. You see, God brought us to this thing, glory, and that thing is actually what makes him glorious. When, they, when, when we look through the scriptures, when we look through the Bible, it, G, fa, the Father literally says, I share my glory with no one. Jesus says that, God, I pray, when, when praying for all the believers, right, he talks about how he used to share in the glory with God before he humbled himself. Think about this. Anybody ever seen Michael Jordan jump? And, the, you know, the little, like, the Jordans, right? Everybody's seen Jordans, right? Now imagine, right? You can't do that. None of you guys can do that, right? None of you guys. Astrid, you can do that? So I got to see that. I got to see that. On that trampoline, maybe you guys got. But imagine, right? Michael Jordan, he's dribbling, and now he has the ability to take other people with him to do that dunk. You see, that's you know, he, there's a reason why he's called your highness. He's, like, he's called the air highness, right? That's what they used to call him. Like, he, he was in the air. He was called Air Jordan. That's, that's where you get the nickname from because he would be hanging in the air for so long. And everyone has a way of glory. Everyone has a type of glory, but that glory is all going to waste away. But the glory that this Bible is talking about, that this scripture is talking about, is the glory that God has that lasts forever. It's the glory that Jesus gained when he ascended to heaven. 
So this is what I'm all leading. This is what I really want to lead up to is that we as sons of God are brought to the standard that we fell short of. So as sons of God, we are brought to the standard that we fell short of. We are not meant to stay in sin, but actually stay in glory. We are to continually view God greater in our life. God's view, the view of God is meant to grow wider and wider as we continue to live. Glory is the view of God, and that view now reflected on us. So we, as the sons of God, are brought back to the standard in which God created us in. And this is perfect. Everybody say perfect. See, this is a perfect salvation. Many of you guys have tried Jesus, quote unquote. Many of you guys have tried Jesus. Many of you guys have tried the church thing. Many of you guys have tried to read your Bible, tried to pray, tried to do things right, but I just couldn't do it. I'm letting you know it has nothing to do with Jesus. Because what Jesus did is he perfected what was already there in the Old Testament. You see, the religious, the religious traditions, they were placed there by the God of the Old Testament. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And the God of the Old Testament only did these things as a shadowing for what Jesus was going to do. So while they did it, because God commanded it to do, it was not always what God intended. He wanted us, right, to look to Jesus. So this could speak now for other things. What are you trying to save yourself with? Because it's not a perfect salvation. You see, Jesus tasted death for everyone to bring sons to glory, right, to bring many sons to glory with his perfect salvation. Everybody say, perfect salvation. This is a perfect salvation. This ain't you getting out the hood salvation, because that still isn't perfect. This isn't you on a come up, right, making lots of money, living your life, right, because that still isn't perfect. You see, there is no type of religion that can give you a perfect salvation. They can make you feel better about yourself here and there. Maybe you can, you can kind of pat yourself on the back, you know, because you did some religious deed, whatever that means. But it's not a perfect salvation. You see, because the salvation through Christ is perfected. It's perfected. It's perfected in Jesus. If you try to do it without Christ, guess what? It's no longer perfect. You could try to do what everyone else is doing, but if Jesus isn't in it while you're doing it, it means nothing. You see, if you repent, right, but you don't repent to Christ, you turn to another God, you turn to another religion for salvation, it won't be perfect, and eventually it will fail you. You see, Christ is the center of this salvation, the way you have been trying to relieve your guilt and save yourself from sin without Christ is not perfect. The way you've been trying to feel better, like, like release the, relieve the guilt, kind of get rid of the shame, you try to do that with anything but Christ, guess what? It's not perfect. It's not perfect. But in Christ, who is perfect, he has given us his life. So we live the life that he lived. Do we go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? And if we can have uh, Melanie come up to the keys, please. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, right here, the life I now live in the body. Everybody say, in the body. So I'm not talking about, right, heaven and hell and all that place. This is where we have to understand is that, hey, Christ expects you to live like him now. Christ expects you to live like him now. It says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the 
Let's see if you guys are paying attention. I live by faith in the Son. Everybody say it like you mean it. The Son of who loved me and gave himself up for me. Right? And right, be, right before that, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it is who? Who lives in me. So we have to understand that in this body right now, we live by faith in Christ. And the life that we live by faith in Christ looks like who? Who does it look like? It doesn't look like you, whoever said that. Because you're dead. You've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. Is Paul on some trippy stuff right now? Is Paul saying like some weird stuff? Like, bro, I don't even live right now, bro. Like, dude, Marco, I know you see me, bro. But I'm not here, man. It's not me, bro. Close your eyes. No, he's not saying that. Paul's not tripping on LSD. He's tripping on the GTN. No, the GNT. The good news today. Come on. He's not tripping on any kind of drug, but he's literally saying, I'm not here right now. It's not me who's living. It's Christ living in me. I was crucified with Christ. That thing that Jesus did, yeah, I went through that. And he's not just speaking figuratively. He's saying right now who I am, that right, right now who I am right now, that is not here. I identify with Christ. When I look at Christ, that's who I want to see myself as. If we could put up the slide, and there's a quote. If you guys could all stand up, please. It says, the Son of God would become a Son of Man, so that sons of man could become sons of God. So you understand that the Son of God, Jesus, would become a Son of Man, going through the virgin birth, living life as a man. So that the sons of man, you, me, could become sons of God. We can be brought to glory. It's that simple, guys. You see, whatever type of Walmart, uh, whatever type of Kmart version of Christianity you guys are living, you need to stop that. What kind of off-brand, all these cereal-looking Christianity you guys are doing, you got to stop that. You're ripping yourself off. It's not like when God picked you up, you know, he stumbled a little bit and was like, man, dang, let me just push you right here. You're too heavy. At least you're not on the floor. You're sitting on a chair. No, that's not what he brought you fully to glory. This is a perfect salvation. This is a perfect salvation. Jesus tasted death for everyone to have this. If I can have my altar workers come up, please. Listen, Let's just make it simple. Let's turn to God. Repent by believing in Jesus, the Son of God. You're, put your faith in Jesus. And a lot of us, we're like, yeah, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. But guess what, right? Now you've got to read the Bible. You've got to actually know how Jesus lived. The Spirit will guide you if you're saved. Trust me. The Spirit will guide you. But you need to read the word. You need to get into what, who Jesus is, what he did, how he lived, how he spoke. Basically, you have to get intimate with Jesus in prayer and reading the word. You get intimate so that you can imitate. Because now you imitate him. The spirit of God in you will now show you how to live like a son of God. And the reason why I say sons of God is because of this. I want to let you know if you're a, a woman in here. 
You're no less than any man in Christ. In Christ, you are no less than any man. That means you want to preach here? You can do that. That means you want to go start revival? You want to lay hands on the sick? You want to cast demons out? You want to have a place in the body of Christ? Guess what? You're a son of God. You're a son of God. You're brought to that standard. There is no difference. The Bible says there's neither female nor male, neither Gentile nor Jew, neither slave or free man in Christ because we are all in him and belong to him. So I want to let you know that we can become sons of God. This is what Christianity is. This is what Jesus intended us to be. It's him. He intended us to be like him. He didn't intend him. He, you can't point to your family members now and friends that claim to be Christian but live like hypocrites and try to justify themselves. You can't. You have a responsibility now. Now you know this is the point of you claiming to be a Christian. It's because you are meant to imitate the one who died for you. If we can all bow our heads and close our eyes. I just want us to meditate on this, that Jesus tasted death for all of us. Jesus tasted death for all of us. So that we could live the life that he lived. Think about that right now. Are you living the life that he lived? Do you see the glory of God in your life increasing? Do you see God more and more in your life? Or are you still stuck in death? Are you still waiting to cross over? If you don't know Jesus... You won't ever live like him. So if you don't know Jesus today, you don't know the one who tasted death, I want to invite you to come up. I'm not just talking about if you know, know things about him. It's not about that. When, when it comes to you and Jesus' relationship, it's not you filling out the boxes like some quiz at school. Multiple choice questions. It's not about what you know in, in your head and what you can recite. It's about what you know in your heart. To be true. So is Jesus alive in you? You can come up to the altars if he isn't. We want to pray for you. We'll lead you into that. But let's say you, you say, hey, man, I, I know Jesus. I am born again. I am a son of God. I believe that. I know who I am in Christ. Listen. But you have not been doing what Jesus did, making disciples. You have not been concerned about the will of God. You've been concerned about other things. But you have not been concerned about the will of God. Listen, I want you to come up as well. Because one thing about Jesus is he was concerned at all times about the Father's will. That is one thing that you will always be about if you are a son of God. If you are his child, you are concerned about his will. So if you have not been concerned about that, if you have not been asking God, what is your will? And it's nowhere near you. I want to challenge you as believers to come up, receive prayer. And if you need prayer for anything else, we'll pray for you. Healing, problems going on at home, we want to pray for you. This is a time for you to receive prayer, for us to join you in that too as well.